Well, hello, lovely ladies of mine. Welcome to the show. Today's episode, I'm going to be teaching you how to interpret your labs as you enter perimenopause and menopause. This is a question I get very, very frequently, and it is a really confusing topic. It's definitely a reason why your clinician may not even order them for you because they themselves may not really be able to understand how to interpret them. Now, the good news is it is not rocket science. And in this episode, we're going to teach you how to interpret your own labs and maybe even teach your clinician. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. All right, guys. Well, it's finally here. I am officially on maternity leave for the next couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about that because I've been dying to spend some time with my newest little family addition. He hopefully is coming home in a week or two, and I just can't wait to get in all of my baby snuggles. Before we get into today's episode, which is how to understand your labs, I do want to let you know that a big project of mine that I've been working on in the background is setting up my latest creation, which is my membership website. So this is going to be called menopause member, and you can go to menopausemember.com to sign up. One of the things that I'm going to do on my membership website is to extend some of these really popular podcasts by doing some examples or taking the interviews a step further. And so for example, this episode here on how to interpret your labs, I'm going to give you some examples of that over on the membership uh, website if you're if you're in the if you're a menopause member. So go to menopausemember.com and you can sign up. I'm hoping to launch this July 1st, right before the holiday. So I'm really excited about that. This is also a great way to support me. There's going to be lots of extra bonus features for my podcast listeners, for anyone who follows me over on YouTube, and for anyone who stumbles upon it. It's just going to be so great where I can answer some questions that you guys send to me via Instagram or YouTube or the podcast, etc., that I just can't get to. So you're definitely going to want to go ahead and check it out. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, I'm at hormone.health.doc and my YouTube channel is Health by Heather Hirsch. All right, let's jump into today's topic, which is how to interpret your labs. Now, a reason I get this question a lot is because a lot of times I find that the women who are asking their clinicians to order these labs either do so disgruntingly or they don't do so at all, and they're left to their own defenses to try to interpret what their labs actually mean. Or on the flip side, if they're willing to get labs, sometimes I see way too many labs be ordered, like every progesterone byproduct, which just isn't really necessary. So I want to try to teach you how to interpret your own labs. Now, the first thing that you do want to know is guessing where you might be in the perimenopause to menopause transition. Now, guessing actually means thinking about what your periods are doing. Now, the diagnosis of menopause is actually no periods in 12 months, and that is the most obvious predictor. So think about what your periods 
are doing. That's going to be the first step in interpreting the lab work that you're getting. So what I want you to do is either electronically, if you pull out your phone and you start writing down when you have spotting or any type of bleeding, that's going to be really helpful. And If you're one of those women who doesn't get periods anymore, then this is something that you don't necessarily have to track, but you could track what you maybe think are PMS-like symptoms. So who are the women that don't get periods? Well, if you've had a hysterectomy and you don't have your uterus anymore, that's one reason you're not bleeding. Now, in this scenario, you should have your ovaries in because if your ovaries were taken out, then it's obvious that you are already in menopause. The other reason is you could have a progesterone release IUD in place in your uterus, which is effectively creating a very thin uterine lining so you don't have any periods. You could have had a uterine artery embolization where you don't get periods anymore, or you could have had an ablation and you won't get periods anymore. So if you're not getting periods, you can't use your periods, but you may still be getting PMS-like symptoms. So you might want to then track, are you feeling bloated? Are you feeling gassy? Are you feeling moody? Are you craving salt or chocolate? things that when you used to get your periods would let you know it was the hormonal fluctuation leading up to that bleed. So the first thing I want you to do is track your periods. And the second thing I want you to do is if you're not getting periods, or even if you are getting periods, track those PMS-like symptoms. Now, PMS is a physiologic, not a psychological thing, even though in pop culture, a lot of people sort of make fun of the PMS time and calling it the the time of the month. And I really think that is really, first of all, it's very sexist, but it really is due to the hormonal fluctuation and the drop in estrogen level. And so if you can kind of see if there's any sort of cyclic pattern to things, you can also tell what your hormones are doing. That's a really poor man's test. And in fact, I would go so far to say that those aren't more important predictors of your where you are in the transition than your actual blood work. So the first thing I want you to do when you're interpreting your labs is you have to know what are your periods doing and what are your symptoms like. Now, the second thing I want to ask yourself is why do you want to know your labs? A lot of people come to me and they want to know their labs and For me, I can actually probably do so much of this in the majority of cases without getting any blood work. But the reason to get blood work is to help you so that you can sort of also see. A lot of women like to look at numbers. We like to look at data. We like to look at graphs. We're very visual. So a lot of the reason I'm getting labs is to help you. But you want to ask yourself, why do you want to know your labs? Now, I'm going to tell you that if you're already menopausal, you haven't had a period in 12 months, your labs are really not going to give you any other information. These lab works are telling you if you're in menopause or not. And if you already know that, I hate to break it to you, but they're not going to tell you anything different. Now you could say, maybe I want to know where my hormones just are. Okay, but I will tell you where they are and it is not a secret. If you want to know what your labs are doing in perimenopause, that's all and well as too, but Remember that this diagnosis itself is based mostly on your clinical history, i.e. your periods and your symptoms, and your lab is just going to be what I call extra data to support that. And how I'm going to treat you is also going to depend very little on your labs. So to me, 
as a menopause doctor, I think labs are not particularly helpful. And that may be one reason why your doctor says it. But I don't want to be dismissive and say, look, Chelsea, we don't need them at all. We can certainly track them over time. Certainly, if you're not getting periods because of those reasons previously mentioned, then lab work is even more important because you can't really use your bleeding history at all. But if you want to know your labs because you want that to help guide you with treatment, it's really actually not going to help that much. Really what you are telling me about what your periods are doing and what your symptoms are is much more valuable than what your lab work actually says. So again, one of the reasons your clinician might say, no, you don't need them is because of this, but they may not explain that to you in a way that you can understand. They may just be very dismissive and say, no, you don't need them. And you're sort of left to sit there in the dark and feeling more frustrated. And then all you want to do is just go out and get your own blood test because you want to know. But then when you want to interpret that, what does it actually mean? Well, it really comes down to what are your symptoms that's really going to help me decide how best to treat you. So lab work, again, not terribly helpful. And I know that's hard to hear because we want to look at something and be able to say, aha, you know, it, this means it is really bad or this really validates what I feel or, you know, but none of those things are going to come true. Lab work will not predict when menopause is going to happen. If you're already menopausal, remember I said it's not going to really change anything. And your lab work is also not going to tell you, you know, how severe your symptoms are or how long they might last. So all they are is more data to support the clinical diagnosis of where you are in the transition and your clinician should help you decide how best to treat you really based on your symptoms and your periods with your lab work only factoring in a teeny tiny bit. All right, now that all being said, if you want to know what labs I tend to order for my patients when they do ask me, then grab a piece of paper and a pencil and jot these down. Or if you're a visual learner, you can also check out the YouTube video I did on how to interpret your labs, where I really put this up on the screen. And I will link the uh, YouTube video in the description bar below. So check that out if you want to actually watch it. Now, here are the labs that I get in order of importance. Number one is your FSH or follicle stimulating hormone. That is probably the most helpful lab out of all of the rest of the labs. And I'm going to come back to teaching you how to understand what your FSH level means. The second lab I get is your estradiol level. And I will explain that again. And it's really important in terms of what your FSH is doing. So alone, it's not terribly helpful. The third thing I will check is a thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. And that is because a lot of perimenopause symptoms or, you know, early menopause into that transition, a lot of those symptoms can mimic a change in thyroid, either hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism. And it's really easy for me to rule that out by checking a screening test, your TSH level. Now, the fourth level I will get is your testosterone level, and I will explain why, although it is not going to help me determine if you are in perimenopause or where you are through your menopause transition. Other things that I sometimes check will include an A1C level, and that is because this is a test for prediabetes and or diabetes, and sometimes, but although rarely, you can get what feels like a hot flash if you're going into the prediabetic range, and it may not be menopause, it may be prediabetes or diabetes, and that's another thing as a clinician I want to make sure is not happening to you. 
And those are the most important labs that I actually check. Now there's a few other ones that I check only if it's necessary, and that is called your anti-mullerian hormone or AMH level. And I really only check that if you are considering um, fertility and you still want to get pregnant, that could be a lab value that's helpful for you or for your reproductive endocrinology physician, the one that's helping you get pregnant. And if you haven't had in a while your cholesterol checked or your liver function tests, your LFTs checked, sometimes I will add those on as well. Now, a lot of people also ask about cortisol. I actually try to stay away from cortisol unless I'm worried about a cortisol condition like um, Cushing's disease or Cushing's syndrome. I really try to avoid getting a cortisol level. Cortisol is a big buzzword. A lot of people want to know what their cortisol is doing or if it's high. And the question would be, why, you know, if you just feel like you're fatigued or you feel like you're lacking energy or you're gaining weight, there's a lot of reasons why. And blaming cortisol is kind of like just finding something to blame it on. There's nothing you could do to decrease your cortisol level. So a lot of times also cortisol is normal, even if you're feeling all of those things and it's just not helpful. So I actually truly tend to stay away from cortisol levels. Another lab you don't need is a progesterone level. It is just not not helpful and I'm not going to replace your progesterone to a degree where I want to check your pre and post so I don't check progesterone level and I also don't check an LH level because an LH has a spike in it and it is so much less predictable than just looking at your FSH level. So those are the labs that I check and those are the labs that I don't check. Now let's get into what they actually mean. I just want to remind you that my course, The Complete Guide to Menopause, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know, Your Doctor Never Told You, is available for you to take online at your own pace. This six-hour course that I created covers everything you could ever want to know about menopause. Ideally, it's like sitting with me in an office and having a long conversation about menopause, the definitions, the facts, and the evidence behind making the right decision for you. In this course, I really walk you through how to come out of this journey feeling confident and successful instead of confused and frustrated, which is what I find so many women go through and why I became a menopause doctor and why I created this course for you. If you want to learn more about the course, simply go to my website, heatherhirschmd.com slash course. You know, I built my whole third floor attic so that I couldn't hear my dog barking anymore. So I still hear her barking. There definitely is a lot of kids walking home from school outside. So if you can hear Miss Zoe barking, I totally apologize. All right, let's get into how to interpret your lab work. Now, let's start with if you're already postmenopausal, because this is a very clear understanding of your labs and makes it a little bit easier to understand by starting with menopause. So let's say it's textbook menopause. It's been 12 months of no period, and you're having classic symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats. Your FSH is going to be greater than 35. And I always say, because I call lab work more data points, I really do think that you should do this more than once. So at least, you know, on two separate occasions, your FSH is greater than 35. That's definitely a sign that you are postmenopausal. Remember, once you're postmenopausal, you're always menopausal because you lose your estrogen, which comes from your ovaries, and you don't make any 
more estrogen after that. So let's even use a more extreme example. Let's say you're 60 years old, you haven't had a period in seven years, your FSH is going to be greater than 35 and arguably probably 80 or 100 or 120. Now, what is your estrogen going to be doing? Well, it's going to be really low. And menopausal levels of estrogen are between zero and 20. Now, 20 is still a very low level of estrogen. And to give you a reference range, when women have periods, when they're pre-menopausal, their estrogen will go anywhere from 50 to 500 every single month and fluctuate and go up and down and up and down. That's how we ovulate. And that's how we get periods if we don't get pregnant that month. So, but between zero and 20 is a very, very low level of estrogen, and that is the postmenopausal range. So my 60-year-old could have an FSH of 80 and an estrogen of 10, and that is very clearly postmenopausal. We already knew that though, remember, because we could tell by her periods, she hadn't had it in, in this example in many years, and she was having classic symptoms that she was already menopausal. And so our labs didn't really tell us anything, right? Um, and so we did them just because we wanted to see and to, you know, validate that she was postmenopausal and she could see her estrogen level was 10. And, you know, that could be helpful if we're going to replace estrogen possibly. But again, it's not actually all that necessary. I could have treated her menopausal symptoms without getting her blood work very easily because I could have guessed that. Now let's go into an example of if you're premenopausal. So let's take the other end of the spectrum. Let's say I have a 30 year old and she's having absolutely regular periods. There's no reason to check her menopausal labs other than for this ex example here that I'm demonstrating. Her FSH is probably going to be under 10. So it might come back at two or four or three. And remember, Remember, these levels, because your, our hormones as women fluctuate all the time, they're going to bounce around. So again, you might want to see this on more than one occasion. So a premenopausal woman who is having regular periods is going to have an FSH of three and her estrogen, let's say it's 150. And that's normal because the reference range for premenopausal women that are cycling is anywhere between 50 and 500. And I bet if we got her right when she was ovulating mid cycle or day 14, if she had a perfect 28 day cycle, I bet her estrogen would be somewhere like 250, 350, 400 even, and that would make perfect sense. Now, where labs can be helpful is a perimenopause, but remember, please remember, the majority of what's going to help me decide where you are and how to treat you is your journaling of your periods, if you're getting them, and tracking of your symptoms. So labs are more data point, and I know I'm sort of repeating myself, but that's so important because it really does uh, help us interpret your lab work with less intensity than we do your periods. Because a lot of people are used to looking at labs to say, yes, you have a disease or no, you don't. And your menopausal, perimenopausal hormones are just not the same way. Now, oftentimes uh, we can tell the difference between early perimenopause and late perimenopause based on your FSH over time and your estradiol levels. So late perimenopause is typically meaning you're closer to menopause and your periods are spacing out a lot. And by a lot, I mean maybe you get one every three months or every six months. Your FSH might come on the higher side. So maybe it's 27 or 42. I know I just said that your FSH, if you're in menopause, is over 35 and now you're saying it's 42. Yep, it can bounce around in and out of those boundaries. It could be 27 and then 42 and then 32 and then 50 and then 
27 again. And that could be really normal for perimenopause, especially in a later perimenopause, which means you're showing signs that you're getting closer and closer to menopause that one year of no periods. But remember, it can bounce around. And then your estrogen is a big old question mark. It could be, it could be 12, it could be 100, it could then go back down. And it's going to kind of fluctuate with that FSH level and perhaps maybe where you are in your cycle, although it's harder and harder to tell where you are because your peers have spaced out so much. So if you're in early perimenopause, you may have a lower FSH. So maybe an FSH of 21, 22, 32, 17. Those might be examples of someone's FSH level in early perimenopause where they may be even having regular periods or their periods are even more frequent than they used to be. That can be another sign because usually changing in periods is one of the first symptoms of perimenopause. And your estrogen level, again, it's a big gold question mark. It really depends where you are in your cycle. Now, a question that I get a lot is, does it matter what day you get your levels checked? To me, I say no. And that's because one, I am really confident in my ability to use your labs as data to support what you've told me. And so I think the whole idea of, okay, wait till you get your period and then count to 14. And then that's just way too exhausting. And women are way too busy to usually do that. And in my opinion, just not necessary. It's going to delay me actually getting those results to you and us making a determination. And so I don't say, all right, let's do it on this day of your cycle. Also, I see a lot of women who are postmenopausal. I see a lot of women who don't get their periods anymore because either they have an IUD or they've had a hysterectomy or they've had chemotherapy. And so it's really just kind of arbitrary to make you do it on a specific day because that just doesn't happen in a perfect world for a lot of my patients. And I'm so good at my clinical diagnosis that your lab work is just supporting data. And so therefore I don't make you go on a specific day. Now, in terms of the other lab work that I check, what if something's off with your thyroid? Well, that's really helpful to know because it could mean that you're developing hyper or hypothyroidism and we want to correct that first. And then what about testosterone? Didn't you say you ordered that, Dr. Hirsch? Yes, yes, I do. Now, testosterone is really only important if we're considering testosterone supplementation and we don't always do that. Now, I did a really great Instagram TV on when to use testosterone. So if you want to check that out. I'm at hormone.health.doc, but testosterone levels are not super important, but I have found a lot of my patients do want to discuss testosterone supplementation, especially in light of a lower libido. And so while you're grabbing your FSH, your estrogen, and your thyroid, I typically just get, have you get your baseline testosterone level, but it doesn't mean that I actually use that to determine if you are in menopause or not. Again, same thing with AMH. I don't often check that lab as I previously mentioned or progesterone or LH or cortisol. All right. I am going to go over some specific examples on my menopause membership website. I'm super excited to get this started. It's a great way to support me as well because I have so many hats to wear. You guys know I'm a full-time clinician. I work at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and I see patients and I have so much to do. So if you want to support me and you want to learn more about a topic that you really care about, go to menopausemember.com, type in your email, and I will let you know when the site is up, hopefully around June 1st. And my plan is to use this very podcast episode as my 
my first way to give you more content. So I'm going to go over some examples there, and I might even do some question and answer lives where you can send me some of your lab work and I can help interpret it. Although this is not direct medical advice, this is always to be taken as a educational platform. And I hope that other women can learn from the questions that a lot of you do submit. So I'm so excited for that. Definitely check it out. I also do have a whole section on this in my course, The Complete Guide to Menopause. I know I talk about that a lot, but it's helped so many women really understand a lot of the things on a really, really deep level and then be able to get the transformation that they want from their doctor by finding what is going to be the best route or treatment or holistic approach for them. So you can also check that out as well. Thank you guys so much for always tuning in. I love this podcast and I want to keep it going. So please help me do so. I will see you again next Wednesday for a brand new episode. Bye everyone.